Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. Welcome and to now, the We Are Casey VIP Haston. podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know it is my intent to bring you thought leaders, people that are going to provoke your thinking and help you to make better decisions. So who better than to do that? Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Gerard Ibarra, consultant, author, speaker, and serial entrepreneur. Gerard helps companies make strategic business decisions that enable growth. His insights help leaders have a better understanding of the totality of every decision. He shares these insights in his new book, Good Decisions, Better Outcomes, and is here today to share some of that knowledge with our audience. Gerard, welcome to our show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting. I always, this is like a real life example, right? Yes. I always talk about the importance of networking and, you know, why it's so important to feed your network. So. Tell everybody how we got connected. So we uh, we met at a uh, the Legacy Connect. It was a networking at uh, Twelve Cuts, and we were just talking, and we started talking about some theoretical things. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like okay, yeah, we're gonna go talk about theory, and then one thing led to another, and we really hit it off and talked about the, the decision-making process, and uh, that's how we connected and stayed in connection. Absolutely, and I'm so excited to dive into the meat of your book, but I do have to say, because I know everybody thinks I'm a nerd already, but I mean, we weren't just talking about theories. No. We were talking about quantum physics. Yeah, we were talking about that. Like, <laughs> what, who, is, who am I talking with here? <laughs> right. And I'm like, and I have no degree whatsoever in that, but I'm just so fascinated by it. So I love it when I meet people that have more knowledge about it than me. So thanks for going down that rabbit hole oh, with me. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about decision making. I think that, you know, it is so critical that, you know, we we don't always have to make the right decision, but we have to know why we make the decision, right? right? So, and you're an expert in this and making informed decisions. So how did you gain this knowledge over the years? So it's a, a process, a framework that I learned back in, I guess in the mid nineties when I was uh, going and getting my master's. And then from that uh, time, I'm like, oh, everybody should be doing this. This is a great framework. And I started using it at UPS when I was still working there. And then I used it in uh, my consulting practice when I went for my PhD. So it just continued growing from there and I've used it in uh, real life experiences as well. So it's, uh, it's just evolved from uh, 25 years ago. And I forgot that you were a PhD. What did you get your PhD in? In systems engineering. Systems. So oh, smart guy. <laughs> no, no, no. Thinking totality. So that's, that's what it's all about. Thinking totalities. I like that. Okay, so making decisions can be so difficult some for leaders, especially leaders that are new to their roles. You know, why do you think this is? So some of the new leaders, I guess, they might have problems making decisions only because they don't want to make a wrong decision. Mm. So they'll step back and just wait until things start falling more and more into place and they, at the end, might make a decision. But a lot of times those who are new leaders, Mm -hmm. who want to make sure they make the best decision, 
they may not make the decisions up front and that ends up costing them more at the end because they didn't make a decision when they needed to make the decision. Oh, that is so good. And I think, you know, I can be guilty of that as well. What's it called? Uh, analysis paralysis, paralysis or yes. pr paralysis by analysis? It's something like that, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you just overthink it, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's one of the problems. Uh, you only have so much time to make a decision. And one of the things that I talk about in the book is you can't continue going down that rabbit hole. Well, what about this? What about that? Or do you need to think about this? Like, no, stop, time out. You, you, you've got to put an end to it. Because if you really think about it, if you're choosing between, say, three vendors, mm -hmm. and a, a year later you're about to make a decision, you might have a new vendor in the, in the mix. You might oh, have a new yeah. company. Something might have changed. So making decisions on a timely basis is also very important. So I have an interesting scenario that I want to share with you. It oh just happened gosh. today. Oh my gosh. Okay. And, and this is related to our candidates because like right now our candidates are, you know, it's a crazy market out there and they have multiple opportunities that they can choose from. Right. And now we're seeing candidates that are kind of being coerced to make quicker decisions instead of slower decisions because the companies don't want to lose them because I mean, they know they've got multiple offers. So, what, how would you advise someone who's sitting there with multiple offers about to change their life, so to speak, by taking a new job? What would you advise them to do as far as that decision-making process? So the, for them, the, the ones who are going to uh, be making a, I guess, a decision on a job, think about long-term. Mm -hmm. What are you going to be doing three, five, ten years from there? Is that a company you want to be with for just a year, two years? Or do you foresee yourself growing with that organization? So you got to think about the... Uh, down the road three mm -hmm. five ten years not just what's going to happen tomorrow or you know next year nothing like that you got to think long term i th that's perfect advice and i feel like i did a good job today with my candidate <laughs> now so thank you because one of the things was like the industry um that one of them was an industry that if you go into this industry you're going to get very niche right mm -hmm. and i was like you need to think about is this an industry you want to be in for the rest of your career you know, and so I had her list, uh, make a list of pros and cons Good. as to, you know, what would make her happiest. Good. And so, and when, at the end of the day, when it came back, the one that she was happiest with was not the one that paid the most money. Good. Yeah. I know. No, no, that's just really good. That means that she really thought about the totality of those systems thinking and that she thought about it long term as well. So that's good. That's very good advice. And I'm happy that she made that decision. Me too, especially because it was for my client. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So what does it mean to make an informed decision? So that has a lot of meanings, but I think what it comes down to is do you have all the information you need to make a decision? You can't make a decision based on just partial information. You can't make a decision based on information that may be conflicting. Mm -hmm. Those are really hard decisions to make. So when I talk about, or when you talk about an informed decision, it's having everything in front of you and making a decision based on all the data that you have available. When do you have, when do you stop? When do you, when stop? Do you decide you've got all the data? So uh, there's uh, something called the, uh, I guess optimal stopping in algorithms in, uh, and it's in computer programming. And the way it goes is if you want to spend maybe 30% of your time searching mm -hmm. and then the other 67% or 70% of the time making the decision. It's actually okay. one third. So 33 and 67%. Okay, perfect. Um, and so, um, so that's an informed decision, but what are some traits of a bad decision? Oh. 
Gee, there's quite a bit. Uh, I think the one that's the most prevalent in making bad decisions is allowing your emotions to take the best of you. And that's some of the things that happen. We're human, it's, it's innate to us. So if I had to think here for a second, I said, you know, how do you make bad decisions? Definitely letting your emotions take over bad decision. Mm. You want to keep those in check and don't let them convolute your entire thinking process. And another way of making bad decisions in the business world, and the, and the emotions also goes in the business world, but another way of making bad decisions is something that's called the, uh, um, I guess, uh, not um, status quo. It's mm -hmm. a decision trap. And that means that you don't want to make a decision because everything is working out fine. Why go down there and rock the boat? But if you don't do that, if you don't go investigate what's going on, you may be leaving millions of dollars on the table. Okay. Only because you say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's, that's a bad connotation. So that's one way businesses might make those bad decisions or not make the decision, I guess. Okay. What are some other traits that we might look for? Like maybe um, from a job seeker's point of view. So from a job seeker's point of view, um, I would definitely look at to uh, see the organization mm -hmm. and see their culture because we live in a uh, society where that means a lot. And mm -hmm. it, it always has been, but it's more pronounced today. And when you're making those decisions, you got to allow your emotions to be in there. I'm not saying that let them take over you, but definitely you want to see what the culture is. Do, do you fit in the culture? Do you like the culture? Because if you make a decision based solely on money mm -hmm. and you go there and work every day and you don't like being there, First of all, you're going to be miserable, but second, you're not going to be producing at the level you need to be producing. Exactly, exactly. You know, and also, and, and this is one of the things I tell my candidates all the time, you know, I, I tell them, I don't want to make you hate your life by getting a, you a job you're not going to love. You know, so you got to talk to me, we've got to talk about what it is that makes you happy. And so there's a lot of things that people don't take into consideration when they are, and especially right now as we're getting through this pandemic, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm okay going back to the office, but that's not really what they want, even if the office is requiring it. And so I think that that trait, not being true to what you really want, right. could be a trait of a bad decision. Right, right. So. And, you know, and just to add a little more to that, I mean, when it comes down to making that decision, mm -hmm. there might be a point where you have to eat. And if you get to that point, you know, there's no uh, let me have my emotions. No, you got to put food on the table. Exactly. And, you know, and that's another thing that I talk a lot about with my candidates, especially those that are unhappy in the role that they're in, even unhappy in the career that they chose. That was me, by the way. <laughs> that was me. You know, and I really want them to step back and not leave that job. Right. But if possible, maybe start a side hustle. Yeah and then work it so that your side hustle becomes your full hustle, right? Absolutely, no, and, you know, that's a good point because I do mention that in the book and I do talk about if you're, you need to make a decision and you don't like where you're at, do that side hustle. I don't call it side hustle. I say, you know, being an author or teaching at night, whatever the case may be. But yeah. Yeah, you, you, you go down that route, absolutely. Well, and I think it's so important too, when you're making decisions, like for me, I, I made a huge decision when I decided to move from accounting to recruiting. And Very big decision. at some point I just had to jump off the ledge and do it. You know, I had to quit thinking about it, quit thinking about all the reasons, you know, why I shouldn't be doing it because I really wanted to do it. And I knew that I was gonna be able to change people's lives and help them. So I, I think learning when 
it's okay to make that leap is also important in the decision-making process. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, for you, having that passion, that uh, that goes a long way in itself. So making that leap from accounting to recruiting, which is a big leap in my opinion. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> That's just me saying. But, yeah, it, it's understanding who you are, who you really are, and it's okay to make a decision solely based on emotions. We're humans, and if you make a decision without any emotions, in the end, you're gonna be very miserable and it's not gonna work out for you. Well, okay, so that leads me to my next question. Let's let's dig into the emotions a little bit. So why is it important to understand how your emotions impact your decision-making process? So there's something that I call the trifecta influencers and it's your needs, wants, and mm -hmm. emotions. And so your needs are the most basic thing. That's something that is a necessity for you, like water. Mm -hmm. But a want, on the other hand, is something that you would like to have. So you know, I have 35 t-shirts, I want a 36, I don't even know why I want a 30, because it brings me satisfaction. And your emotions is what creates your wants. So if you didn't have any emotions, you wouldn't really have any wants, then everything for you would be based on a need. So emotions are very important, and if you don't keep them in check, if you don't understand how much they play a role in your decision-making process, you might go down the wrong, the wrong route there. And, and I think too, especially for leaders, Yes. And even people that are working for other people, I think it's so important that you really kind of, I always tell people to take a breath, you know, yeah. before you say something, because if, if you don't then, and you say something out of haste, or you make a decision out of haste, it could have a negative impact. Yes, absolutely. So that emotion taking over is uh, y your emotions telling you what you want to say mm -hmm. and it's also systems one thinking which is you know fast efficient i don't like to think about things i'm just going to say what comes to mind or what i think i s saw or read so yeah you want to keep those in check because you can make a, a very poor decision based on the emotions almost off the cuff and then you'll regret it yeah you know a day later even something as simple as an email, you're frustrated, you're, you type it up and then you hit send. And then you're and like, then, whoops. What did I do there? <laughs> so that's a systems one thinking. It's fast, efficient, and that's where most humans, or that's where humans like to be. We don't like to think critical. You know, we, we don't like to concentrate. We, that's just too much for us. That is absolutely too much for me. I've got all the assessments to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes two of us. And I wrote a book on it. Why am I doing this? So. So, and I kind of want to go back to the take a breath because, I mean, there is so much science behind the fact that breathing helps you regulate your emotions. Yeah. Did you touch on any of that in the book? No, I didn't. So on mine, it was a little bit more quantitative because the book that I wanted to write was more on the quantitative side here's a number at the end as mm. far as what decisions you should make. So if you had to choose between job A, B, and C, uh -huh. with my process, you'll have score for A, score for B, and score for C. You would choose the highest one. Okay. And emotions would be part of that decision-making process. Oh, I'm really sad I haven't read this book yet now because it sounds like <laughs> I need it. <laughs> so for those of our listeners that collaborate with others, how can you get your colleagues and peers on board with the decisions you make? Oh, so, you know, a lot of that is finesse, but it's also getting down to the point where they, your colleagues, understand systems thinking. And if you understand systems thinking, what it comes down to is you're making a decision for the totality of the organization, not for the finance department, not for the operations department. Mm -hmm. And once those individuals start understanding how you think 
and how this process works, it's gonna be easier for them to fall in. Oh, I understand why. Systems thinking. Okay, and I know we kind of talked about systems thinking earlier, but kind of run me through that just one more time. Systems thinking. So in a nutshell, if I had to put it in a couple of words, it's, uh, it's uh, getting the big picture. Okay. If I'm gonna make this decision about going with this employer, how is that gonna affect my family? How is that gonna affect my future? How does that affect other things around my life? Am I gonna have time for my children, for working out, for uh, going on vacations? Am I gonna have time to go back to school? So you gotta think about everything that ties into that one decision. How do the extremities affect it, the environment around it? So that's systems thinking, and it's a, you know, there's a whole degree on it. I got my PhD on it. I mean, there's a whole lot more to it, but in a nutshell, it's thinking about the big picture. How does your decision affect other parts of your life, other parts surrounding that, uh, that product or that decision? Okay, this is gonna be a real corny example, but I wanna tell you what I got out of that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so here's what I'm thinking, like, um, and I have this argument with my boyfriend all the time about straws. Okay. So his decision is to not use straws because he's saving, he's doing his little part to save the environment. I personally love to drink out of straws. So I feel like that decision that he's making is part of a systems thinking because he's thinking about the bigger picture, like our economy, or not our economy, but our um, environment. Yeah, so what I would say to that is the way you might think about it is that I don't like drinking out of a glass because it might have been washed. A straw is a little bit more sanitary, mm -hmm. so I know it's clean. Uh, a straw keeps me from dripping down on my mouth. So right. Drooling, <laughs> you know, so if the water falls on the table, now you have to get something to clean it. So, yeah, and then you could also say, you know, I'm going to reuse this straw. I'm going to wash this straw and put it aside. I'm going to reuse it. We get one of those things when we're growing up, so the silly straws, remember those? Oh, right, yes, the plastic <laughs> the ones. The plastic ones, you have fun. <laughs> That's a good idea. Okay, so let's say I've made a really good decision. I know it's the right decision. So how do I assess this to make sure that I can inform future decision-making processes? Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a hard question because, so the framework that I talk about is to help you be more efficient in your decision-making process so you don't waste tons of time. According to uh, McKinsey, they did a survey of 2,000 world, uh, managers worldwide mm -hmm. in 2019, and they learned that a typical Fortune 500 company loses $250 million a year in just making decisions. Not whether wow. it was a good or bad decision, wow, just wow. in the decision-making process. So my framework tries to streamline that and make it a little more, more efficient, and it also helps you select what might be the best one. You don't know if it's the best one, but you know your likelihood of getting the best one is a lot higher than just mm -hmm. flipping a coin or going through there. So, so it's, it's very hard to do that, but with the framework, you're more than likely gonna select a better solution than not selecting one where you just flipped a coin and stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and that kind of really leads to my next question. You know, I think one myth that leaders can sometimes, or that leaders sometimes believe is that a strategic decision-making process needs to be lengthy. How can leaders make quick decisions so that they're not losing $250 million? So, so one of the things that leaders could do or any manager is, is continue learning, continue educating yourself. Because when you come to being, I guess, a gut feeling or off the, off the fly, it's not really something that's, that you're guessing at. It's really based on everything you've learned, read, seen, heard. So the more you know, the more you've learned, the more you're exposed, 
the better your decision is going to be, the quicker one you can make. So making those uh, decisions that are a little bit more, I guess, immediate, mm -hmm. then the more training you have, the more experience, exposure, the more effective your decision will be made. So yeah, I highly recommend that they continue educating themselves and growing in their business and in their uh, field. I love how you just explained that because I actually um, interviewed a gentleman who says, never trust your gut. But you're saying kind of the exact opposite and you give such a great reason why because this is, it, call it intuition or whatever you want to call it, but it's your learned experiences yes. that you're basing that decision on. So Daniel Kahneman, he's a Nobel Prize winner. He wrote that book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm -hmm. And he talks about uh, your gut feeling or the, you know, you know, go with your gut. He says it's not really your gut, it's from what you've learned, seen, heard. It's kind of like if you're a, uh, an elite football player there are things that you've learned throughout the years as far as if someone's going to tackle you based on their emotions that how they look you know what happened in the previous play these are all things that you've accumulated and it just becomes part of you so you become a better player you can't just really learn that in some manual so yeah it's not really going with your gut you're going with what you've learned yeah so i, I tell people all the time i'm like you know get curious yeah get curious like and get just curious try to learn something new but get curious about everything and that way you know you're going to be exposed and it's going to be this information is going to come to you i'm curious about quantum physics that's why somehow I was conversations <laughs> will always turn to that <laughs> so, i'm so curious we're not going to talk about quantum physics in fact we're almost out of time so i want to is there anything else about decision making that i haven't touched on or asked you a question about no i i think you know the biggest thing is um when you're gonna make those difficult decisions, uh, leave you with two things. One is find a time when it's best for you to really sit down and concentrate. And speaking scientifically, the best time to do that is at the start of your day. So if your start of the day is in the morning at eight o'clock, then that's when you wanna do it. If it's at uh, 7 yep. p.m. at night, that's the time you wanna do it. So that you're really focused. According to science, that's when your brain is really hitting its most. And the other thing is think about your exit strategy. You know, kind of like we talked about earlier, what are you gonna do three, five, 10 years from now? If yep. you're purchasing a product, a home or moving or a business, what happens in the end? So those are two takeaways I like to give you and, and the audience. So. I love that. I'm gonna go home and think about my exit strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna get to go anywhere for a while. But. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, well, we are at the point in our show where we ask you our three VIP questions. Oh my gosh. Are you ready? I think so, I'm <laughs> nervous now. Okay, so my first question. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? So I would take three people. Okay. I'll take my wife because she's very logical. Good one. And, and uh, yes, <laughs> make the right decision. Yep, there. yep. <laughs> no, I mean, she's very logical and uh, she would just be a wealth of information. The other two would be my godson and my niece. Oh. Uh, we're very uh, different in some areas and they're a lot of fun. So I wouldn't mind having them around and, uh, we always get along really well, so it would be a party for me. Okay, okay, a permanent party. A permanent party, exactly. <laughs> okay, so this next question, boy, you just cued this up so well. Okay. What is one thing you do each day to set your day up, or each morning to set your day up for success? For me, the first thing I do is I pray when I get up. Very first thing I do. And then next thing I do is I exercise. Okay. So those two things, I get those going. And then after that, I know it's before my start of my day, actually. So my start of the day is at five. 
it's not really work it's let me prepare myself for the day work mm. yep so i love that i'm i'm all about having a morning ritual yes all about it and people are like why do you do that every morning and i'm like because it gets me it gets me focused yeah. Yeah. it clears my head and you know and i have my quiet time in the mornings and then you know i journal and i do all that and i'm not i don't exercise but don't tell anybody not in the morning <laughs> no so. one will say anything <laughs> <laughs> okay my final question okay if your life's work was being summarized in a news article what would the headline be i would say always positive and never giving up so you know what i can see that about you always being positive yeah. yeah never give up how do people find you so they can find me on my website at gerard g-e-r-a-r-d-i-b-a-r-r-a.com and if they like to learn more about my process they could purchase the book good decisions better outcomes it's available on amazon so i hope you guys enjoy it and if you want to learn more just drop me a line i'll be certainly happy to speak with you that is so awesome and we'll make sure and include that in the show notes as well and by the way i do have your book queued up to read oh great great but great <laughs> i just it's it's a little down the line because i have so many i have a problem when it comes to books I buy so many books and then you know that's you know what we've just talked about here today you got a good summary of the book awesome there you go awesome. well i just have one last thing to say oh to you oh my gosh what is it now is it a hard question no okay you are a vip thank you so much thank you thank you for having me on your show and that's a wrap for today join us next week here on the we are vip podcast we'd love to know how we can help you be a vip to find out more, log on to wearevip.com.